I'm Massimo Bottura. This is Amanda Cohen. This is David Kinch. This is Mike Anthony. This is Huni Kim. This is Amanda Freitag. This is Richard Blaze. This is Paul Kahn. This is Curtis Stein. This is Stephen Harris. This is Missy Robbins. And you're listening to Andrew Talks to Chefs. Cooking our food is kind of like music, right? You can go to a rave or a concert, and let's say you put people from a hundred different countries and they don't talk the same language, but they just dance to the beat. And everyone's listening to the same and everyone's getting along and it works and everyone dances. For cooking, it's the same. You can go and eat food in like Taiwan and and not ever had it before. And if it tastes good, it tastes good. You're gonna connect yeah. in some way. That's the love of it. That's that's why I love food, because it's like it connects you to people to such a level of intimacy that it's mm-hmm. crazy. It's amazing. That is Chef Rafael Covarrubias of Hexagon Restaurant in Oakville, Canada, and the winner of the North American Regional Semifinals of the San Pellegrino Young Chef Competition. Our guest today on Andrew Talks to Chefs. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is Andrew Talks to Chefs. I am your host, Andrew Friedman, and I am coming to you today from Los Angeles, California, where I've spent the past week I can't say too much about it, but suffice it to say, I am out here trying to do what most people probably do or think of trying to do when they come to Los Angeles, meaning it's something entertainment related. I don't know how it's all going to pan out, but it's been a lot of fun making a run at it. And uh, maybe at some point in the near future or maybe even the distant future, who knows, uh, I'll have some things to tell you guys about. But anyway, it's been a fun week. I got to spend the weekend here in between other commitments and got to do the other thing people come to Los Angeles to do, which is to eat. I had a lot of wonderful meals, mostly dinners. I ate at Bertie G's, Gwen, Petit Trois, Bon Temps. And tonight, my last night here in town, I'll be visiting Bestia for the second time ever. I've only been there once before. Uh, Some of those restaurants are uh, owned and operated by past guests of the show, Lincoln Carson, Genevieve Gergis, Curtis Stone, and it's been great to reconnect with some of them and their food uh, over the last five or six days out here. It's been quite the stay, and I've had a great time. Uh, Today's show is a bit of a follow-on to our 100th episode from last week. On that program, we introduced you to nine of the 10 North American regional semifinalists from the San Pellegrino Young Chef Competition, which was held in New York City last month. And as you'll probably recall, and as I need to acknowledge, Sam Pellegrino is a promotional partner of Andrew Talks to Chefs. On today's show, I have a feature-length interview with Rafael Covarrubias, who is the winner of that regional competition and will go on to represent North America in the global finals, which is called the grand finale of the competition in Milan, in spring of 2020, which is just around the corner now that we're already into December. So Rafael, or Rafa as he goes by, is originally from Mexico. He moved to Canada to pursue his career. He is the chef of Hexagon Restaurant in Oakville, which he describes for us in detail in the interview, so I won't go into all of that right now. I really like Rafa. He's a soft-spoken guy. He's very thoughtful, and his dish 
absolutely blew the judges away at the competition, which was fascinating to me because for a competition dish, these things can tend to be, you know, really loaded up with a lot of bells and whistles. His dish wasn't especially flashy. It was titled Mole Spiced Muscovy Duck, Preserved Prune, and Winter Roots. And it's a real autobiographical dish that knocked the judges out with its flavor and with its ability to convey Rafa's personality and personal history on the plate. And I think for those of you out there who cook professionally or even at home, I think that's something we all kind of strive for when we take to the stoves. We want to share something of ourselves. And he did it brilliantly. So Rafa and I sat down the morning after the award ceremony for this interview, and I'm delighted to share it with you now. Please meet Chef Rafael Covarrubias. Here you go. First of all, congratulations. Thank you. I guess what I'd like to first ask you is, can you talk about the dish you prepared? You guys had five hours. Yes. Now, your dish, what was so striking to me was a number of the people who you competed against did things that were very visually dramatic. You know, a lot of high degree of difficulty presentation stuff, right? Your dish presented relatively simply, but I'd love to, for you to explain how you spent that five hours, because I think that's really yeah. interesting. Well, just to answer the, the first question about the simplicity, I think uh, finding complexity and simplicity is even harder than just uh, make doing a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I feel like being able to uh, lead a restaurant right now and coming up with dishes and changing and uh, tweaking and coming up with new and old, it's always... Uh, it's always easier to see a dish and try to take out what it doesn't need other than just stuffing too many things. Because mm-hmm. I feel like that way it's more pure. It's easier to understand an idea. And then at the end of the day, that was what I wanted to do in this competition, trying to share the idea of, of the dish that I was presenting. But my biggest challenge was to transmit that feeling right to the judges and the audience and whatnot. So, yeah, it was it was a it was a simple dish, but it was very well thought out. Each component had a reason to be there, and then I think that's why it worked out. I hope I'm clear. I just meant visually. It yeah, was yeah, very yeah. No, it was clean. Uh, yeah. It was super clean. But you would say that's a reflection of your thinking, your editing, yeah. your editing process. Yeah, yeah, for sure. When I applied, my dish was uh, completely different. The, the like the plating side mm-hmm. of it, because I. Um, when I applied, I had three slices of duck. I have five dots of the puree, two dots of the jam, and then like shiso. So it was each dish was like a 14 steps to get to the to the presentation. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, if I have to do 14 times eight, I have to move my hand like 150 times. You yeah. know, like. Yeah. So I was like, I have to make it easier on me. Yeah. This isn't. Is is thinking like this is yeah this is a restaurant quality dish yeah but you're doing it by yourself mm-hmm. so even at the restaurant when we get tables of like six or eight it's hard to play them even with three people plating you yeah know? and now it's like it's, it's like eight, a fire drill and then yeah. you do it by yourself and yeah. it has to be hot and it has to like stay in temperature it has to be clean you have to wipe the plates it it was a lot of process in it mm-hmm. so I think I thought making it easier to execute it but without taking any of the flavor out of it yes then that was the that was the way to go 
about it. So the heart of this dish was the mole. Yes, correct. So can you explain to me, you know, I think this is one of these terms that a lot of people, if you know you're not from Mexico, if you're not an expert in Mexican food, you sort of have a vague understanding of what mole is. But what is mole technically and then what you brought to yours? Yeah, so mole is a traditional sauce. Uh, it's originated in, in uh, uh, Puebla, or I mean, that's where the traditional, traditional, like, mole negro is mm-hmm. from, Puebla. Now there's variations from it. You can have white mole, green mole. Yeah. You can make mole out of anything, right? Yes. Because it's, it, it's part of the culture, so you can take and take in and take out everything you want. Yeah. Right? I kind of like so, it to gazpacho in some ways. Like, most people think of gazpacho as, like, a tomato bread. Yeah. But actually, cause there's, like you just, there's white yeah, gazpacho. Like you said, there's, yeah. Yeah, you there's, can make gazpacho You can make it with watermelon. almost, <laughs> yeah, almost anything. Yeah. yeah, technically. I wanted to take that as the base of the root because it would explain also like me as a person so my roots are from mexico i grew up my whole life and i'm very proud of it and i wanted to share that too right so i made a non-so-traditional mole because uh it was also about the path of my like career like where i've been what i've learned moving to canada like it's Canada is a country that is not like moving to Italy, right? Like Italy, you go there and then you learn how to make pasta, pizza, and uh, right. tortellinis, you know? Like Canada doesn't have that, uh, I would say, cuisine. Like it's reinventing its cuisine and it's a cuisine that is based on hundreds of cultures that are based in Canada. Mm-hmm. It's such a multicultural yeah. uh, country and Toronto specifically, uh, city, so it was taking all of those, all of those cultures that I've learned or I've worked or I'm interested in, and tried to mix them in, in the mole to make it more interesting, and then to, to tweak it a little bit. So it was a lot of Asian uh, influence there, and then a little bit of French, yeah. took so some added, Cantonese. Uh, so you had what you put like fermented black bean paste in there? Yeah, there was a to season it. Uh, make it more umami, some mm-hmm. uh, black bean paste, and some uh, yondu that it's kind of like a soy sauce from Korea that is a fermented vegetable. Oh, yeah, I know soy. that product. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then uh, comes in a little green and white yeah. bottle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And then um, the Sichuan peppers that is not so traditional, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's more of a Chinese, I would sure. say. Uh, ginger. Yeah. It's kind of like f- trying to make it like more fragrant. More smell, yeah, and then um, yeah, no, it, it worked out. It was, I was surprised too, because I mean, although I practiced it a hundred times, the first time I was like, how do I make this me? Yeah, you know, how do I make it actually that it defines me or what I want to do or what yeah. I want to transmit, right? So tried it and it was delicious. I was like, oh, this is it. <laughs> you got it pretty close the first time you made it. Yeah. I'm not so like uh, an expert. It's not my expertise, I would say. Like yeah. if you tell me to make this like really traditional Mexican dish, I may not even know how to make it. Yeah. But I feel like you have the feeling and 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 the heart, and it just works, right? So after reading, calling some colleagues, having friends, I've had in the last two years, I did a few collaboration dinners with uh, some Mexican chefs that I brought to Toronto. Mm-hmm. So. Learning from them, asking questions. Like it's all about that grow, right? So not being uh, too nervous or 
ashamed of asking anything mm -hmm. so it was just like I'm going to try to educate myself as much as possible in this so I can put it out and be proud of it. It must have been very gratifying for you. I remember like Mike Solomonov said like when he ate it he said he felt like he knew you. Yeah. You know, uh, and that was you had a big smile for yeah, that. Was, I mean, that must have been <laughs> that, that, was, surreal. that was exactly what you were going for. Yeah. Um, what was it like to have the to, you know, you you kind of were working on this thing. I'm sure you had people you trust and respect tasted along the way but to all of a sudden have it out in the open is that a very nervous moment for you i was nervous because it's not specifically mole like as a sauce it's like cilantro like people love it or people hate it mm -hmm. so i was like if i i know the background of some of these judges and i, I don't know rob gentilly italian i'm like if he doesn't like it like if he doesn't get it or if he's never had mole if he, he can't, may, he may like not he, like it. If he like, just doesn't relate to yeah, it, if yeah, he just doesn't hit him right. It, yeah, he may not like it. You yeah, know? like it can be, ta it can taste great for me, but because I'm, I have that acquired taste it. Like I've studied it, I know yes. what's in it. Yeah, but if if you don't know much about it, you be like, oh, this is kind of weird. It's kind of like a burnt sweet sauce. It's right. kind of like I think it had like a great uh, feedback, and it was. It was very gratifying to to hear these people that are obviously up there and they've done their work and they deserve where they are and I have a lot of respect for them and yeah. hearing what they thought of it and that I was able to actually uh, have them understand the dish and feel part of it. Yeah, uh, it was very. I was I was stoked after. That's great. Like I was. I looked at my girlfriend and my sous chef and the owner there and I just looked and I was like that's it like I'm happy you know if I win it's amazing but I came and I did a dish and I nailed it because I I knew it was going to come down to that like if I had a good day or not so much of a good mm -hmm. day um, and I was like I'm, I'm happy I think this is it for yeah like for me to feel good about it I'm, I feel really happy. Well, to use an overused uh, expression right now, they, they, those judges really saw you. Like, they really got you. They understood what you were trying to do. That has yeah. to be a great... For anyone who does anything creative, cooking, writing, music, film, if, if you feel like people understand what you were trying to accomplish, yeah. I think that's a great feeling. No, and it was, it was a long way, and I had a little bit of a rough time at the very end. Like... Uh, Getting ducks ready, having restaurants here in New York City do it for me. Mm -hmm. I had to meet people. I went to, I'm very grateful for that too because I dealt with some outstanding people like from uh, Flora and from Cosme. Mm -hmm. And everyone seemed to be happy to help, you know, and I was very grateful for that. There was like stories that got stopped in customs and I was like oh god I weighed out all these small ingredients there's like 30 <laughs> things and yeah. like what is this well, those are peanuts like I don't know why you want me to tell you <laughs> yeah. yeah those are sesame seeds and then uh, I had a story with my plates that some broke some got lost uh, oh was, my gosh before coming I was like I, I hope this is all the negative right that has you got it happen, out of the way ahead you know? of time right and I hope it's it's positive after this yeah. and it sure was Tell me a little about yourself. Where in Mexico did you grow up? I'm uh, from a city called Querétaro. Okay. It's a two-hour drive from Mexico City. It's right okay. in the middle. Grew up there my whole life. My family is from uh, Mexico City and 
Torreon, that okay. it's in the north. Okay. Um, and how big a community was that that you grew up in? Is it a fairly big city? Yeah, or? it's a... I used to call it a town, and now it's a city. Mm-hmm. It's changed a lot. It's developed since a little left. bit. Yeah, too much, I would say, but it's good. Too much? You feel like it's lost its charm? Yeah, too much is too much traffic when I go back. Oh, really? So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's so close to Mexico City. So a lot of people that don't want to live in Mexico City anymore, yeah. they just move there. Got it. But it's not a city that was ready for that. Yeah. So there's no roads, there's no houses. So it's well, just, there's not the infrastructure yeah. out there. So Hopefully. When, when you were growing up, uh, what kind of kid were you? Like, were you uh, into sports? Were you into cooking when you were yeah, young? Yeah, I was always into sports. Uh, sports as in soccer, because mm-hmm. that's the only sport in Mexico, I would yeah. say. Um, oh, really? Is that pretty much? Yeah, like, people play basketball, and yeah. there's no football, really. Right, like, sure. Uh, soccer, yeah, until t- I was, like, 14, 15. And then, uh, I was 14, I... I uh, got into actual cooking like it's kind of like a pushy thing because my mom kind of got me a job <laughs> like she went dinner. to have dinner at a restaurant and then she was like you need to go talk to the chef tomorrow and I was like for what and he's like so he gives you a job and I was like okay well, you're was sending this, me to work <laughs> was this because she thought you should be a professional chef or no, was this because I was she thought very you should get a job but she, yeah, I was passionate and she she was like you gotta find out if you actually want this right mm-hmm. you gotta find out if you like it this is not gonna be easy Mm-hmm. And I was, it wasn't easy at the start. I was too young. And then I uh, went to high school, did high school, and then I almost had to drop out because I got so into the cooking. So I was cooking from 3 p.m. to like 1 or till 12. In, and then at your job or at home? No, at my job. Yeah. And then I would go to school at 7 in the morning and I would fall asleep all, all the, less, <laughs> the classes and everything. Till the end, I was like, I think I just want to cook. Yeah. You know? Were you good at it right away? Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's kind of hard to say that, but. But you feel like you picked it up quickly? Yeah. I feel like you can tell, like, when, when you're good at something. I wasn't good at anything else. That's a problem, though. But, like, if I. When people ask me, what would you be if you weren't the chef? I, yeah. I don't know, because I'm. I don't think I'm really good at anything else. Did you try your hand at other things, or did you no. attempt other? Were there other things that appealed to you? No, no. The only thing that has ever appealed to me it's like law, but I don't think really? I would go to law school. I just feel like I'm like a really fair guy, and uh-huh. I like like things to be fair sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I would maybe do that, but I don't think so. You think you would have wanted to be a lawyer, or maybe yeah, ultimately maybe. a judge? Maybe, I don't know. When you start this job, what kind of restaurant were you cooked? The place where your mom got you the job. Was it a casual place, a fancy place? No, it was it's kind of in the middle. It was it was like a good caliber restaurant, not mm-hmm. so stuffy though. Mm-hmm. Queretaro is like a city that it's kind of hard because it's so small that people always go to the same places that they mm-hmm. have like, there are five restaurants right. and it's such a small community and it's very like, like uh, closed-minded for yes. food, yeah. So they always go to the same, right? The I mean, thankfully this was one of them. So mm-hmm. it was like a really fast-paced environment, and it was busy, yeah. Uh, and I, yeah, I picked it up fairly quick. Okay, uh, but it was Mexican food, uh, traditional Mexican food, but in a little bit more of a fine dining mm-hmm. uh, setup without yeah. being like modern, though. It was not like, too formal, not too modern. Yeah, no yeah. modern. It was just like there, yeah. tasty. Yeah, 
Yeah. Nice place. Nice place. Yeah. <laughs> Respectable restaurant. Yeah, I just went back last time I went to Mexico. And oh, yeah? Still there, still serving is what I used same to make. Chef? No, the chef is not there anymore, but uh, some of the stuff is. It's a good place. Good, good place where I learned like the passion side of it, uh, but that you had to be smart because the owner was very hands-on. Like mm -hmm. He would always be there. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was intense, though, like intense. The and, owner was intense? Yeah. In like, what way? Like, like grumpy sometimes. Mm -hmm. And uh, my sister worked there for a summer and then like screamed at her. And I was like, okay, I can't say anything because we're at work. But I was yeah. like, oh, that's a lot. Mm. You know? So it, it was learning what I I was taking what I didn't know, but I also was learning what I didn't want to be. I find that that can be just as important as under, like I, as, as important it can, as it can be to have a role model. I feel like it's equally important to have examples of things you don't want to do. Yeah. No, and I feel like it's an easy way to learn it. Because mm -hmm. there's a hard way and it's when you are like that or you do things and then yeah. and there's a repercussion, right? Because yeah, sure. you, you don't like it or yeah, yeah, yeah. you scream at someone and they leave. It's like, oh, I wish I knew that I didn't want to scream at them. Yes. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've always, now in my kitchens, in both restaurants, I I always tr transmit that there's no need for that. Because I never, like, was never a fan of it and never a fan of how it makes you feel. Mm -hmm. So it's Even if you're, the, you mean if you're the one doing it? Yeah. Yeah. But, like, with mistakes, I always tell my cooks, like, uh, just own your mistakes and tell me what are we doing, right? Mm -hmm. Like... Like, I'm, if you run out of something, or if you break something, or you forgot something, or something goes wrong, I mean, screaming at you won't teach you anything, right? Yeah. Like, but sometimes they're like, oh, this is happening. And then I'm like, okay, so what's next? I know the answer, but I want you to tell <laughs> right. me what we're going to do. Yes. Like, what's the solution? Yeah. Give me a solution. Yes. So it's so hard. It's so easy to come up with a problem, but not yeah. with a solution all yes. the time. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's a good way of of learning. Yeah. So how do you yeah. go about pursuing your development after you, you know you you go to you work at this restaurant in your hometown and then what what do you do next? Then I work I work more <laughs> and then um, there was a point where I was kind of stuck like I've been working now for like let's say 5 years. Mm -hmm. All uh, in Mexico. Yeah, all in Mexico. Good places, good restaurants. And then I was like, okay, Am I gonna be like self, not self-taught, but uh, just like restaurant mm -hmm. chef? Like, do I want to go to school? And uh, I mean, my dream was to come to New York and go to the CIA. And oh, really? So I had my one of my cousins went to the CIA here in New York, uh, and it's a person that I've always like looked up to. Mm -hmm. um, so back then, I was like, I. That's my only option, right? And I saw the prices, and I was like, oh, it's not so realistic anymore. So um, Yeah, it's expensive. I was trying to find uh, a way of going to another country to study, because mm -hmm. I didn't want to stay in Mexico, because I feel like I was stuck. So I was kind of like a trouble kid at some point. So it's just a lot of like party, a lot of... like. Mm -hmm. uh, just friends, a lot of, I'm going to work. I was getting like in an unhealthy, toxic uh, oh, really? place, right? Okay. Because I was, I was too young and I was working like, like my, the line cooks beside me, they were like 40, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was just like 16, 17. Yeah. So you got swept up in their world. Yeah. yeah. So my family was always very supportive and I had a 
that cousin that went to the CIA was in Calgary. So he was like opening a restaurant and I was like, okay, that's awesome. And he's like, if you want to go to school in Calgary and work at my restaurant while you do it, you should. I'll, you can even live with me. Mm. You know? I was like, well, this is a great opportunity. And I did my research. Uh, Said that is a school there. It's, it's great. It, I feel like it has such a solid program and a really good, uh, uh, not reviews, but like a good uh, reputation. Reputation. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I thought it was it was a terrific idea. So I packed my things and, and left. How was it adjusting to moving to this new place? Was it was it, hard. What was your English like at this point? It was not so good. It was... <clears throat> when you go to school in Mexico, ever since you're five years old, they teach you English. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm pretty solid, you know? Go to uh, San Antonio to the shopping mall and be like, I can ask for the prices of this, mm-hmm. you know? And then... I thought I was okay, and then I got to Calgary, and everyone talks, and I, I didn't catch up anything. It was it was a tough transition. Was it an accent thing, or it was too fast? No, or? it was too fast. There was yeah. a slang. I understand like the hey thing, yeah. and like right. And it was just adapting to a culture, right? Like I, yeah. I remember the first day I came, we went to a restaurant, and there was like a friend of theirs, and. And she says hello, and I go like, because in Mexico we kiss and the chick, right? Mm-hmm. And then she goes like this, like oh, and I'm like oh, okay, that was weird. I'm so sorry. It's <laughs> just like a lot of yeah of adapting cultural and, stuff. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I lived with my cousin for a little bit, and then he got engaged to a girl from New Mexico, so he went back actually. Okay. So after six months of me just getting there, he goes back, and I'm like ah. Okay. You were stranded. So I guess I have to figure it out. Yeah. Uh, which I did. And it was It was a lot of... I think I, I take those years as the years that made me grow the most, like, personal. Not professional, maybe, but, like, in a personal manner. Like, I had to take care of myself for the first time mm-hmm. by myself. Mm-hmm. Like, I wasn't living with mom anymore. Mm-hmm. I wasn't asking for money to my parents. I was... Like I was working, paying yeah. for rent, and going to school at the same time. Yeah. How was, old were you when you moved there? Uh, seventeen. Oof. Yeah. Young kid. Yeah. So. So you grew up fast. Yeah. It was a. It was a tough. It was tough times. I was sad. I missed my family. I missed my friends. Mm-hmm. Like I had such a, like a big community there, like a family tight community with friends and family in Mexico, and then I just left it all. Yes. Like bye. Yeah. So. The first year, I'm gonna say, two years was was a rough time, but it, I, I just did it. You know, mm-hmm. Like, uh, just put my head down and just, yeah. I was like, I have to do this for myself. Well, to me, this speaks to how much you really wanted to pursue this career. Yeah, it definitely shaped me. Uh, it definitely made me who I am today. I think it's. It's kind of the same idea as if we go back to talking to the dishes. It's, it was like I knew I had my base. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like I was raised the right way by my family and my mom and my dad. And mm-hmm. I had the base there. And I was like, okay, what do you want to do with this? Mm-hmm. You know, where you want to go? You right. want to push yourself? You want to struggle a little bit? And then hopefully you get the right path, you meet the right people, and it pays off? Yes. Or you know, stay in Mexico and be comfortable and, you know, don't pay rent and stuff yeah, like yeah, that yeah, yeah. and then maybe you don't end up anywhere yes you know? yeah. so I had to go out of that comfort zone to yes. to push it and yeah. to, to don't regret it a single bit 
My theme song and break music is from After School Special's album, Double Barrel, Single Entendre, which is available on iTunes. Welcome back to the show. We'll get you back to the rest of our interview with Chef Rafael Covarrubias in just a moment. First, just a reminder that we'd love for you to visit our relatively new and official Andrew Talks to Chefs website. The address is andrewtalkstochefs.com. You can sign up for our email newsletter there. You can send us a comment or voicemail. You can peruse the more than 100 episodes in our archives. We'd also love if you would subscribe to Andrew Talks to Chefs on your favorite podcast platform. And if you'd be kind enough to tell a friend about the show or leave us a rating or review on Apple's podcast store, we'd be very grateful. That's it for our housekeeping notes this week. And with that, here you go, the rest of my interview with Chef Rafael Covarrubias. I hope you enjoy it. So what was next for your uh, development? Where'd you go after? I went to SAIT. I went to the school in Calgary. Mm -hmm. I graduated with honors. That's the first time I was like, I'm really good at it, I think. Uh, Was this to a cooking school? Yeah, Yeah. cooking school. Yeah. Um, And then I worked in Calgary for a few years after that, like uh, four four years. Mm -hmm. Then I moved to Toronto to... uh, open that uh, the restaurant that I'm at right? at what point do you start to have an understanding of the chef like the the chef you wanted like the chef you wanted to be eventually like what kind of food you wanted to do what style like when does that start to take shape for you maybe at the end of the, at the end of Calgary probably for me it was being uh, proud of that those roots I had right because mm-hmm. Such a like it started being a cool thing again, being like Latino and after all these things, right? Yeah. So I was like, I, I don't want to be like that, like uh, Latino proud of or whatever. But I'm like, but I'm 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 sure proud of who I am as a sure. person, right? Yeah. And just my culture and everything that I've learned, and I was like trying to still um, learn from the culture here in Canada. So yeah. I was like, I think I'm I can take. I can take both, you know. I can be in the middle. What do you mean by both? Mexican and what? And the and the Canadian aspect of it, mm-hmm. the the growing culture, the the multicultural aspect, the international the, influences, the international, yeah. right? But without calling it something, though, right? Like like my right. food is not Mexican, right? Like I got the competition when someone was like. Mexican food shouldn't be elevated. I was like, but this is not a Mexican dish, though. Like, yes, you know. What's what's Mexican about it? The mole, yeah, yes. it's a base of a dish, but yes. there's so many other things around it. You know, yes. like I was trying to express how in Canada there's like you gotta learn how to love roots because we have them for eight months a year. You know? mm, is so that you, right? Yeah. Okay. So now I, hey, I mean, you gotta love your celery yak because <laughs> you're gonna make like four dishes a year out of it. Yeah. You know? Or yeah. centrics or carrots, yeah. potatoes. Yeah. It's potato time right now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then. And taking the summer and trying to preserve it somehow, so there was that too. So I was like, oh, like I think does that connection? It just comes along to like nicely. How would you describe the style of the restaurant or you, what you're doing? So it's a French inspired. Yeah. Uh, I say like French technique. Yeah. I'd say, mm-hmm. but uh, it's a tasting menu. We have two menus. One's a four 
course and mm -hmm. one's a car blanche that's nine to twelve courses mm -hmm. uh, the four courses you get to choose your items so mm -hmm. you pick what you like what do you have like two choices for each course uh, like, like that? three or four. Oh, yeah. wow. okay and then on the nine course we just make a menu based on what we know about the people that are coming and yes. we, uh, talk to them and yeah obviously some people are not a fan of like let's say beef or whatever mm -hmm. so we do something else yeah um and then yeah it's it's hard to call something french nowadays like french french and i also feel like people don't love french food anymore it's kind of boring like well i think when they hear french they think classic like classic yeah. french right yeah they don't think of, they don't think modern french yeah so and modern french like modern anything it's like what what is it really i think as soon as you start talking modern yeah. you're talking global yeah right that's part of what modern uh, to me it is yeah so it's, we have an approach where we do start a dish thinking kind of in a French way because mm -hmm. it's, it's there. So I can't just cook Indian food or Mexican, you know, like it has to be somebody, it kind of has to make sense, right? Mm -hmm. So it's grabbing a technique or an ingredient or the combination of stuff and then, uh, and then give it my personal touch. Mm -hmm. I think as I was mentioning before, I have right now there's a, it's the squash season also, and then chestnuts. Chestnuts mm -hmm. very French, for example, mm -hmm. and then make a mole out of chestnuts, mm -hmm. and then roasted squash, and then I just grate like mimolette cheese that it's mm. uh, like a aged, eighteen months French, very French uh, mm -hmm. cheese, but it's it's colored with annatto seeds. I didn't know that until I actually studied it. Annatto mm. seeds are the, the ones you use to make. Um, cochinita pibil that it's another Mexican very okay. traditional dish mm -hmm. so it's like very red it's kind of very orange cheese yeah so I don't know what that is I don't know is it French no is it Mexican no I don't know it's just it's a our, rafa, it's it's a rafa it's, dish yeah it's just yeah. our approach to yeah. it it's our our idea our style you yeah know? like trying to yeah to have both worlds trying to make it work what's your process like when you like when you just described all the things that are in that dish do you start with um, a, a sauce do you start with a, uh, with uh, a component do you yeah. and build up from that it's almost always uh, starting with a vegetable because mm -hmm. it's easier to uh, for me at least it's easier to make a menu out of, of vegetables if I have to think of it yes um, and then you kind of go what goes good with this mm -hmm. or should it be a protein or should it be a vegetarian dish mm -hmm. or should it just be a vegetable forward mm -hmm. or uh, it can be a main course even yeah like I've had pretty crazy main courses that are just uh, out of vegetables out of like a roasted beet with a like sauce royale that oh, it's yeah? like a very French but it's made with like blood from like yeah. rabbit uh -huh. or like have so it's okay you know it's changes all the time but it's uh, it's easier uh, in Canada the, the seasons are marked so like tight yeah that you know what's coming so you're actually able to plan ahead of time sure and until it's winter because yeah. then you're stuck but uh, summer you know it's strawberry at the start and you go yeah. into tomatoes yeah. and then at the end of summer you have beautiful yeah. corn the tasting menu format is that something you you really like do you like cooking that way I like that people are able to taste big amount More of things. Uh, dishes yeah uh, yeah I think it's just that part of it though because yesterday for example we went to a restaurant uh, Ara, uh, Araboy and yeah it's, sure yeah 
it's not like that. It is kind of a set menu. You have to choose from three categories as like a set price. But then we were enough people on the table that we ordered the whole thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like the whole menu. Yeah. So everything was there and we could taste it all. So, I mean, if they plated everything individual, we, that could have been a tasting menu. Yes. But, uh, but it wasn't. So yeah. it was just because we were able to taste all of these things. So I think the idea of a tasting for me is that tasting menu as in like you're able to taste so much. Mm -hmm. So for me, it doesn't really matter if it's like course out, fine dining, like 12 courses. Yeah. Or if I can do as it's ready kind of menu where mm -hmm. you just bring it out. Yeah. I think what I like to about it is that you're able to taste so many different things mm -hmm. together. When the seasons come around again, like when you get back into the spring next year, right? Do you yeah. tend to bring back the same dishes year after year, or do you uh, tend to? No. Do you like to refresh? I mean, if it's something that really worked out and it's like really tasty, mm -hmm. we would yeah bring it back. But um, I mean, it's always kind of the same style. For example, for me, tomatoes. I love tomatoes like raw, like just blanched, mm -hmm. and then like with like a tomato water or like right like a last this menu for tomatoes we did like a it wasn't a ceviche but it was raw tomatoes and then a sauce made with tomatillos that's mm. from the same family mm -hmm. we made a consomme out of it raw and then we infused it with like tom yum soup flavors I put like galanga and lime leaf mm -hmm. and like lemongrass and ginger and mm -hmm. garlic and it was very fragrant very strong mm -hmm. so it was just like tomatoes and then the broth and like, like a roasted pine nut cream. So mm. yeah, it's not overly complicated, but it just tasted good and it was very acidic and very bright and like yeah. it was like a it was an awesome first course. Yeah. So that maybe next year maybe I won't infuse it with tum yum, but I would still want to have like a freshness of it, like a like an idea of that maybe some version course. or an evolution of that. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, you know, it's fun. So when you. Uh, as you sit here today, you know, this, uh, winning this competition, uh, I mean, this idea of going over uh, to Milan next year, does that even seem real right now? No, it's crazy. I, I felt the same way coming here, you know, like, it's been like seven, eight months of knowing that we were coming here. Yes. And now it's done. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> I woke up today, I was sick, because I think my body just knows that it's over no, so no your body it's like, it's like getting sick the first day of vacation yeah. your body knows knew it was yeah. okay yeah, that, it's, yeah that's it so yeah. would you wake up with a cold yeah i was like yeah. stuffed and i was like oh no yeah but uh yeah no it went by so quick and i think it's gonna be the same i feel like in this industry it's always like that it's i always joke with my my sous chef that it's summer and it's busy summer you know we have mm -hmm. like a bunch of like buyouts weddings and all of this and then and it says, don't worry, it'll be Christmas soon. And <laughs> Christmas is a month away now, so yeah. it's, a, it's a crazy industry. So it's knowing the time, I know May, it's going to be just around the corner. Do you have any sense about how you're going to train for the next step? Or no, I mean, I you've know. kind of already got it down, right? Yeah, I think it just at this point, is, I wouldn't want to pick it apart or anything, but I've... Obviously, I'll take what the judge's feedback was. That in this case was that the the skin was a little not rendered enough. Mm -hmm. So work on that, and then um, try to make it better, you know. Mm -hmm. And then prepare myself to same thing to transmit this idea of it, because I mean the chefs are from 
the U.S. and Canada. Mm -hmm. The judge does, but uh, these people are going from Italy and like Spain, or I don't know who's going to judge, right? So right. it's also kind of making sure that I, I know exactly how to transmit what I did with the judges here in North America and try mm -hmm. to replicate the idea of transmitting the love of this dish to them too. So I think it's going to be a lot of uh, more and more of a mental uh, preparation yeah. than actually like cooking again because I mean there's so many times that I can cook that dish I've practiced like over seven times and it's mm -hmm. five hours each and it's like yeah. if you count it it's crazy yeah. but uh, yeah it all worked out I would imagine that when you try to think of the dish appealing to like when you just said that you know judges might be from Italy or France wherever I would imagine that if you're trying to appeal to as many of those people as possible to me the word that comes to mind is balance yeah. Is that accurate? That you want to try to, you know, like the mole, there's a lot of different, very different ingredients in there. I would think the idea is to really, even more than usual, make sure that nothing spikes yeah, too much. Yeah, that it's not too aggressive. Is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah, I would say it's try to make it uh, approachable for everyone, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, that's also something that I've learned in the past few years. I work, I live in Toronto, but I, the restaurant's in Oakville, so it's like a 30-minute drive. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, Oakville is like an older community. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of locals like visit the restaurants, so yeah. it's like you have to think of that too. Yeah, you're, you can't just make this crazy stuff that they want and they're standing. They'll be like, I don't like it. You yes. have to know the people that you're cooking for. Yes, right? yeah. so I think that's also a big part of it. Yeah. Knowing, knowing who they are and like making sure that it's a clear. There's no. It's not cloudy. That it's a clear vision, and yes. and you can easily explain it, and they get an easy understanding. Yeah. But to that point, I remember when applying, there was one of the questions that was, uh, so what's kind of like the inspiration, or what do you think like cuisine means right now? And I always thought, um, talking to a friend also, that uh, cooking or food is it's kind of like music, right? You can go to a rave or a concert and let's say you put people from a hundred different countries and they don't talk the same language, but they just dance to the beat, mm -hmm. you know? And everyone's listening to the same and everyone's getting along and it works and everyone dances, right? Mm -hmm. So for cooking, it's the same. It's You can go and it, eat food in like Taiwan and... I've not ever had it before, and if it tastes good, it tastes good. Yes. Like, you know, like you're yeah. gonna connect yeah. in some way. Yeah, like that's that's the love of it. That's that's why I love food because it's like it connects you to people to such a uh, a level of um, intimacy that it's mm -hmm. crazy. Like it's yeah, uh, yeah, it's amazing. It's funny because uh, I went out for Indian food the other night, and uh, we were with two people who used to live in India. My wife and I never have. Now, we thought the food was amazing, right? But we don't know how authentic it is. Yeah. You know, but they did. Yeah. So we all loved it, to your point. Yeah. Maybe they had a slightly more sophisticated appreciation for it. Yeah, exactly. But we all were just, you know, moaning, you know, yeah. and saying how great it was. I love that analogy to the DJ. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's good. All right. Well, listen, thank you. Thank you for making time. Uh, Thanks for The morning me. after your big success. I'm no, sure you, you just want to be celebrating. Oh, no, um, it's all good. <laughs> so it was good talking to you and uh, all the best with your planning for Milan. Thank you very much.
And that's our show for this week. Thank you to Rafael Covarrubias for making time for us the morning after your big night in New York City last month. I really enjoyed meeting and talking to you, Rafa, and I look forward to following your career. Thank you again to Sam Pellegrino for your support. To David Tattershore, our engineer. Thank you, David, for splicing these things together. Heritage Radio Network is a co-producer of Andrew Talks to Chefs. And to all of you out there in podcast land, thank you for listening, and we will see you back here soon with our next episode. <laughs>